forever, hundreds and millions of years to come. So he made us in his image with a spirit to be eternal. But he, he knew, I believe, the point of all of this was to... I'm a follower of Jesus. It's the most important thing in my life. The most healing, healthy thing for the human brain is a belief in God and prayer. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. I'm going to pull my board back out with the two systems of right and wrong. And remember, this is the system, this is the religious system that I grew up in, but even if you didn't grow up in a religious system, you probably grew up in a system like this. I do good, I get good. I do bad, I get bad. I have a percentage of good to bad that where I feel like I'm a good or okay person. And if I don't make that percentage, I feel like I'm not a good enough person. All, okay, so all, all of that is about doing right or wrong, right? Okay, and then this system, there's still the same rules. You still shouldn't murder. You still shouldn't have uh, sex if it's not a, uh, an appropriate person to have sex with, you know, your wife or spouse, etc. All right? Uh, you still shouldn't lie. You still shouldn't cheat. All right? Same rules because we still work the same way. All right? We're built to work that way. So if I tell a lie, it spikes my stress. And I'm in the, on the fear path. If I steal something, spikes my stress. I'm on the fear path, okay? Have, have sex with someone where it's not love-based, according to God, spikes my stress. And sometimes from then on, because now I have a memory of doing that wrong thing or sinful thing, and that memory, you know, the, the event may have only lasted one minute. That memory will last the rest of my life along with the guilt or shame that's in it. The biggest issue on planet Earth is unforgiveness. I've been teaching for as long as I've been teaching that I've never seen a significant health or psychological problem, you know what's coming, right? Where there was not an unforgiveness issue. Somewhere. They may not have known about it, but somewhere. And very often, you heal that and everything starts to get better. I met Dr. Ben Johnson about, oh, 16 years ago, I guess. Medical doctor, renowned medical doctor, uh, surgeon, uh, flight surgeon in the Army, cancer specialist, uh, the only medical doctor in the, the secret movie that was such a huge phenomenon all over the world. And Dr. Ben had been lecturing for years that he'd never seen a cancer where there was not an unforgiveness issue, okay? Well, this is where those continuing for the rest of your life with guilt and shame and I'm not good enough issues and feelings, this is where they are. When you live under the grace system, 
You don't have that. You don't have the unforgiveness. You don't have the guilt. You don't have the shame. Why? Because this is the grace system. And that's what I wanted to talk about just a moment, okay? And boy, I certainly was not brought up believing this. I was brought up believing this is the only system. And I was taught there is a thing called grace. But the way I was taught in, in the religion I grew up in is this is how the grace worked, which is absolutely absurd, okay? So let me share a couple more foundational things before we move on because I think this is really crucial. Uh, I, I shared with you, I think, one of my favorite preachers who uh, was also a professor at a major university and one of his students came in and had written down every commandment in the New Testament of what we're to do and not do and just had pages and pages of them, okay? And said to the preacher, professor, how in the world am I supposed to do this? I've tried to do this for years. I can't do it. What's the secret? How do you do it? And it put the professor in sort of a tailspin because when he saw those listed out like that, he thought, I can't do it either. I've never been able to do it either. And so he kind of went to a place of despair and, and all that sort of thing. And then shortly after, week, two, three weeks, I don't remember exactly, the young lady comes back in so excited and says, I found it, I found it, I found it. Okay, great, what is it? Because now the professor wanted the solution as much as she did. She said, I've found in the Gospels, in the, in the person of Jesus and his love, the power to do what we're supposed to do. Meaning, it's not us doing it. It's, it's God's power, all right? So, and, and then he went on, the, the preacher, to say, we're told all, a whole lot of things to do in Scripture, but one way the church gets off track is it tells us how or where or when to do almost nothing. And his belief in point is that's because it's up to us to be creative and, and, and to do it in the way that works best in our culture and situation and time period and... Uh, all of that, okay? Um, and, and I believe that's so, which means we can't judge anybody if they are doing it a different way from us when it's, when it's not specified in the book, okay? And even though it may seem really, really crazy and weird and that couldn't be right because it's so much different from the way we do it and the name on our door, all right? But think about some of these principles just a little bit. Romans 8. There is, there is now therefore no, zero, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, condemnation would mean you're not saved. Which means, if there's no condemnation in your, when you're in Christ Jesus, then it means you're always saved. Well, are you always doing the things that you're supposed to do and not doing the things you're not supposed to do? 
No, we mess that up all the time. In fact, the chapter before that in Romans 7, Paul makes the statement that really saved my life once I believed it and started living it when he says, what I want to do, good things, is not what I do, but what I do is what I don't want to do, bad things, and I do this over and over and over again. And man, I can just, as soon as I read that and understood it, it was like, oh, Paul is describing me. All the time I do the sin or the wrong that I don't want to do, and then I feel horrible about it. Uh, uh, Satan tempts me into doing it and then beats me over the head for doing it. Okay? And that's not fair. All right? Well, Paul makes an amazing statement about that. Okay? I do what I don't want to do, don't do what I do want to do, and I do it over and over and over. And then he says this. When that happens... It is not me doing it. Whoa! What are you talking about? I mean, I can remember doing it 15 minutes ago. Stealing the candy bar in the drugstore. I remember picking it up. I remember how I felt like I was going to die before I got out of the 5 and 10 when I was about 5 years old. I remember eating it and it didn't taste anywhere near good enough to be worth all that. And then I can remember guilt and shame over that literally for years. I remember it. But Paul says in God's eyes, in God's book, because he has purchased grace for us, it was not me doing it. It was not you doing it. So the sin or wrong that I will do tomorrow or 10 years from now or 30 years from now, it's already paid for. So in this system, there's no need for unforgiveness, guilt, shame, low self-worth, any of that related to the sins or wrongs that I've done or good that I haven't done. Because in God's eyes and book, in his what I call miracle plan of love, his grace through Jesus, it has all been paid for so that we can legitimately live in this system where when I do good, I get good. When I do bad, I still get good long term. Guaranteed. And it's the only guarantee of that sort I know of. Let me address another area some people are going to think, well, okay, back to the Romans thing. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but I don't feel like I'm in Christ Jesus. Okay? Well, first of all, it's not about your feelings. It's about what God says is the truth. And I had feelings also about, hey, I remember stealing that candy bar. How can you possibly say that was not me that did it? Because through God's eyes, through His in his book, in his mind, through the grace of Je through Jesus. He has put us into this system. He has paid for it. So when I commit that sin, it's not written under my name. It's written under Jesus' name. And he already paid for that in advance. You know, you can go pay your rent in advance. 
six months, a year, five years, whatever, all right? What does that mean? It means I don't pay again. It's already been paid for, all right? Well, this has already been paid for, but I know some of you are so still entrenched in this legalistic religious system, you can't believe it. There, there's another passage in Scripture talks about an unforgivable sin. And I would, I would posit that possibly that's what you're feeling. Because I'm in this system and I'm not getting close to my percentage that I need. And I feel bad for all the sins I've committed. Guilt, shame, self-worth, rejection, unforgiveness. I feel that. That I must be one of the ones who is not in Christ Jesus, or I've fallen away. I ask uh, probably the most um, validated, awarded scholar that I have known in my lifetime, knows and speaks Greek and Hebrew fluently, uh, preacher for 50 years, uh, written a whole slew of books that are all wonderful, considered by scholars to be a top-level scholar. And I ask him, okay, what is this unpardonable sin? Put it in today's language and application. And, and, and here's what he said, okay? The passage states, those who have tasted and experienced the love and grace of God. So that's the first thing, is you've not done the unpardonable sin if you have never come, in, come to Jesus and become a person who is in Jesus. Then, that doesn't, then you're not doing the unforgivable sin because you haven't come yet, all right? And that's one of the requirements. Second requirement is that you come and experience the love, joy, peace, etc. And I know millions who have come to church and never experienced that. But in this case, let's say you have. Then you leave and never come back. And that's the condition, never come back. So in essence, if you're asking yourself that question, is this me? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? You haven't because you're back. Or you've never come in the first place. But in either case, you have not done that. Well, if you haven't done that, and you have asked, uh, you've uh, repented of your sins and confessed and prayed and, and told God and Jesus that uh, you commit your life to them once and for all, and you want to come in to Jesus and the family of Jesus, the kingdom, the, the kingdom, then and 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 be baptized. And I say that because in Scripture, virtually every time someone said that, I wanna, I wanna come, I, I wanna come in. I wanna join. I wanna become a follower of Jesus for the rest of my life. Yes, and I've. I, I repent and confess of this stuff. I'll try to do my best with Jesus empowering me. But yes, I want to come in. All right? Every time that happened virtually in the book, they said, all right, let's go dunk him under the water. All right? As a public ritual show that you have done that. 
and and so I don't know that you can't be saved without that. But whenever Scripture says over and over and over and over, I, I think it's a good idea to do it. And it is good for other people to see you've made that commitment in your life. Okay? So if you've done that, I don't care how many bad things you've done. Unless you have left and never come back, which can't be true or you wouldn't be watching this, you are still, I believe, according to those passages, in Jesus. Which means there is no condemnation for you. Which means if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you still get good. You know, it is an absolutely unthinkable thing. I call it God's miracle plan of love. That before the world ever began, God said, I was lonely, I'll make me a man. But along with the man was not just, you know, 50 years to have relationship and then we're die, we die like an animal in the field and that's it. He wanted us to be eternal, to have relationship with him forever, hundreds and millions of years to come. So he made us in his image with a spirit to be eternal. But he, he knew, I believe, the point of all of this was to love, to choose love instead of fear. That's what Jesus said. Is there a greatest commandment? Absolutely, it's love. And if you've done that, you've kept the whole law. Okay? John said, they will know you by your love. If you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, they will know that by your love. Okay? But in order for it to be about love, and God is love, there has to be another choice, which is fear. Okay? God also knew that none of us could do it right. And he says that in the book. All have sinned and fallen short. And it's not about works, lest anyone should boast. It's about grace. Okay? In fact, no one can do it all right anyway. So it couldn't be about works. Well, if that were me before the foundation of the world, and I knew that in order for this to happen and me have a loving relationship with these men and women for eternity, that I would have to suffer the most pain possible for anything that could happen to me, I, that I would have to suffer that if we're going to put this plan into action. And God did know that. before the fa Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Well, I guarantee you, if I'd been God, I would have said, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> We're not doing it that way. I mean, I'm God. I've got all power. We're going to do it a way where I don't have to suffer and be in pain or my son or anything like that, okay? I mean, I, I'm lonely and I want a relationship. No, no, no. God knew this would cause him the ultimate pain and suffering, and his son, who he loved most, the ultimate suffering. And he still said yes. Why? Because he knew there was going to be a guy born in 1959 named Alex 
that wanted to love, that that was the most important thing in his life and tried to love and did sometimes and and messed up sometimes. But because of the mess ups, I would not be able to be in relationship with God and other people forever because in this perfect place, there's not going to be love and fear, just love. But in order for that to happen, the grace for me to pay for all of my bads, they have to be paid for because God is a God of justice. And so are we. Every civilization ever, first thing they do is set up a system of justice. Okay? So it has to be a just, paid for grace. And God and Jesus too evidently said we will pay the price because we love Alex and hope in you. Wow. I don't know anyone who would have chosen that. But God did because he is love and he's a God of love and he's given us a system of love to live by. The law system was just to prove that the law system can't and doesn't work. This was always the intended destination even though it required ultimate pain, suffering, and sacrifice. Okay, and yeah, there's some stuff we're given in our instruction book on what to do and what not to do because that's how we're built. That's how we work best. We work on love. We work correctly. We work on fear and that we start to have malfunctions, which are negative emotions, feelings, thoughts, actions, negative hormones, negative chemicals, illness, disease etc. He wants us to work the way we're supposed to and we're built to work on love. All right. Think about it. Pray about it. If you're here just curious, you're not a follower of Jesus, this was the only religion system anywhere in the world I could find that had all of the required components. Grace, justice, love, and truth. Love would always choose grace for the object of its love, not law. Law is a no-win proposition. Think about it, pray about it, and uh, hope to see you back to take the next step. Have a wonderful, blessed day.